Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 20. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. All right, let's do a little bit of review. In chapter 19, Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Were you with me in chapter 19 just by show of hands? Were you with me? Okay, then many of you know Jesus made it to his triumphal entry. Actually, we're in the last week, beginning in chapter 19, you're in the last week of the life of Jesus. So Jesus makes his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, and while riding in Jerusalem on a donkey, the people began to praise him, and the religious leaders said, Jesus stopped them. And Jesus said, if I do, the rocks will cry out. Well, when Jesus arrived in Jerusalem, he went into the temple, and instead of seeing a place of prayer and praise, he saw what looked like a blue light special. As people are traveling from distances with an offering to present during the Passover, but when they get there, the high priest are taking advantage of the people by telling them that their offering's no good and they're going to have to buy one of the temple offerings, which were at an exorbitant rate. And, and, and they had exchanged the money at an exorbitant rate. And so things were kind of crazy in the temple area. And the people were being ripped off. And I think what made Jesus most angry is that the people were being ripped off by the temple priest. The temple priest had designed this system. And it's in this area where they should have been worshiping and praying that it became a place of praying, P-R-E-Y-I-N-G, and paying. And Jesus was so upset, and he was angry. And he took a whip, and he began to whip it around, and he said, my house, very interesting, my house. Listen, the temple doesn't belong to anybody. But God, he said, my house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it, does anybody know? A den of thieves, you know that. And when Jesus cleansed the temple, it angered the religious leaders because Jesus literally was taking ownership of the temple. And then in chapter 19, verse 47, go ahead and peek at it. He was teaching daily in the temple. Listen, it was bad enough that Jesus had entered Jerusalem the way he did, but to set up shop in the temple teaching there on a daily basis, that was just too much. And so we left off the last time. The religious leaders were so angry and wanted to kill Jesus because Jesus was taking authority. This afternoon, Luke chapter 20, I've titled this sermon, By Whose Authority? Luke chapter 20, beginning in verse 1, saints, if you're looking at verse 1, say amen. All right, some of y'all ain't looking. In verse 1 of chapter 20, if you're looking at it, Say a hearty amen. Amen. And it happened. On one of those days, as he taught the people in the temple and he preached the gospel, 
that the chief priest and the scribes together with the elders confronted him and spoke to him saying, tell us, by what authority are you doing these things? Or who is he who gave you this authority? But he answered and he said to them, I'll also ask you one thing and answer me. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or from men? And, the, and they reasoned among themselves saying, if we say from heaven, he will say, why then did you not believe him? But if we say from men, all the people will stone us for they are persuaded that John was a prophet. And so they answered that they did not know where it was from. And Jesus said to them in verse 8, are you looking at it? Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Don't you love Jesus? <laughs> say it. Go ahead and say it. Say, I love Jesus. I love the man. <laughs> so obviously, after Jesus ran everybody out of the temple, the chief priest describes the elders went away and they had a powwow. And they said, who does he think he is? In other words, they would say, who died and made you boss? And Jesus probably would say, um, I did. Uh, I will. <laughs> and then I'll be boss. So they would, they would say, who, who does he think he is? He's coming in here acting like he's running something. Who's this guy? What seminary degree does he have? He's never shown us anything. And then finally, they said to Jesus, tell us, by what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you this authority? Now listen, authority was a big issue to these men. And they had never, they would never speak in their own authority. They would always say, well, Rabbi so-and-so says this. Or they would say, it was quoted by this great scholar and I was granted the right to speak. But they never spoke in their own authority. But Jesus, listen, Jesus always spoke in his own authority. Don't you remember he said, Jesus said, it has been said, but I say unto you. Jesus speaking in his own authority. So they're asking Jesus, what's your credentials? And they're probably expecting Jesus to answer the way that they would answer. They would say, oh, Rabbi, so-and-so has conferred this great honor on me, and I've been a disciple and a student, and he's ordained me, speaking in someone else's authority. You see, they always look for some man or institution to give them the right. They didn't understand that Jesus didn't need their, or, their ordination, and he didn't need their approval because the authority that Jesus walked in was directly related to the throne that he was submitted to. I'll say that again in case you missed it. The authority that Jesus walked in was directly related to the throne that he was submitted to. You remember the story in Matthew chapter 8. Jesus arrives in the city of Capernaum, and a certain centurion comes to Jesus because his servant is paralyzed. You remember the story? And he said, Jesus, he said, I understand that you have authority because I am also a man of authority. And I say to a soldier, come, and he comes and do this, and he does it. And what he is saying is, Jesus, I bowed my knee to Rome, and when I do transactions, all the authority of Rome is behind me, and all I have to do is speak a word, and it will be accomplished. 
And he says, Jesus, I see that you have bowed your heart and your life to the throne of God, and you have authority. And if you speak a word, it will be accomplished. Why? Because all of heaven is behind you. And Jesus said, wow, that's deep. That's in the Greek language, actually. He said, I've never seen such great faith. He marveled at this man's faith. So they asked him, who gave you this authority? You know, people from time to time, they come to Calvary Chapel. And, you know, after service, especially people who are more used to traditional churches and traditional services and with, you know, the robes and the big chairs. You know, we talk about the chairs. And... I don't have the chairs. And, you know, they're used to that. And they're used to the, the pastor that has, you know, um, you know, a bachelor's, an MDiv, a PhD. He's got more letters in the alphabet. And, and they're used to that. And so, you know, and the pastor is going to be really educated and have gone to a seminary. And so they, they, people would come to me and ask me, and maybe they've asked you sometime in your family. They'll go, well, you know what? That was a good sermon. I mean, what, what, what seminary did he go to? People ask me all the time, they say, well, what seminary? You know, I really enjoyed the service first time here. What seminary did you go to? What, what school did you train at? And what they're asking actually is, what's your authority? So they go, oh, what seminary did you go to? What school did you train at? And I go, oh, well, I went to UHS. And they say, UHS? Oh, I've never heard of UHS. Is it a prestigious school? I go, oh, yes, oh, yes, of the highest <laughs> UHS, what, 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 UHS, what is that? A University of the Holy Spirit. And they go, they go I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. I, I think that's good too. <laughs> and, they go, and they go, oh, well, I, you know, yeah, well, you seem to know a lot about the Bible. You know what? Well, here's the thing. Ordination does not come from man. Ordination comes from God. And if God, I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. And for me, listen, I, I know, no, no, no. Tell your family, tell your friends, no, I have not been to seminary. I am a street kid from Philly. I grew up doing drugs. My father was a drug dealer. My mother was a single parent doing the best she can, packing hot dogs at a high-grade high ballpark. Frank's, they plump when you cook them. You remember them hot dogs? Them things plump when you cook them. I won't eat a hot dog today. And, and, and I'm a street kid from Philly. All I know is I got saved January 23rd, 1982. That is the day God touched me, God changed me, God called me, God ordained me, and I just showed up and I opened my mouth and God does the rest. But I know that I know that I know that I know that God has called me to this and God has ordained me for this season in my life. And I think the major problem that plagues the pulpits in America is that the pulpits in America are filled with people that have been recognized or ordained by an organization, but they haven't received ordination from heaven. And don't get me wrong. I, I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. That's all right. And don't get me wrong. I don't have any problem with seminary. There are some great professors in seminary that are preserving orthodoxy, and I thank God for that. 
But it, but, but God hasn't, if God hasn't sent you there to seminary, then you are simply wasting your time. You can go to seminary all your life and not be ordained of God. You can go to seminary. I've met people, nobody here, but I've met people who have been to seminary, and you know what? You cannot buy anointing. You cannot purchase anointing and power from God and anointing from the Holy Spirit. You, you can't purchase that. I've met people who went to seminary and they know more, far more about the Bible than I know. Far more. And when they get up to preach the word, you go. I can't do it right because I got a cold. I could do it better than that. But, but th- that's because you cannot get anointing from a classroom. God has to anoint you. And without that anointing from heaven, nothing will be accomplished. So they ask Jesus a question, and Jesus answers with a question. Did you get that? This is a trick question. Jesus never, search your Bible, read your Bible. Jesus never gave a direct answer to a trick question. Write this down. Proverbs 26, 5. Proverbs 26, verse 5. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will be like him yourself. You know, some folks are just fools. I didn't say fool. I said fool. You're just a fool. People, you know, people ask me one time, God said, well, if God is so powerful and God is so awesome and do anything he wants, then can God make a rock so big he can't pick up? Boom! <laughs> you know, you meet people like that. You know, somebody once said it like this. They put it this way. They said, when you are arguing with a fool, be sure that he is not similarly engaged. And some of y'all get that when you go home. You'll, you'll get that later. That, that's coming. So they asked Jesus, where did you get your authority to do these things? Look at verse 4 in your Bibles. Jesus said, let me ask you a question. The baptism of John, was it from man or God? Now listen, John the Baptist, listen, John, did you know this? John the Baptist was non-denominational. Did you know that? Some of y'all thinking he was a Baptist, and that's why they call him, no. (laughs) No. He was non-denominational. I'm just, I love you. I'm your pastor. I'm just trying to help you. John was non-denominational. John, John, he, he wasn't a Baptist. Verse, he was, the, the, the word Baptist just speaks to his ministry. He baptized. Verse 5, look at it in your Bibles. They reasoned within themselves and they said, if we say it's from heaven, then Jesus will say, then why didn't you believe and repent and get baptized? But if we say from men, then the people will stone us. And we hate it when that happens. Because, every, <laughs> because everybody liked John and they believed John was a prophet. So Jesus answered their question with a question. Listen, to imply, if you perceive the answer to the question that he asked them, then they will have the answer to the question that they're asking him. And in verse 7, they plead the fifth. We don't know. We can't tell where it's from. And Jesus said, then I'm not telling you by what authority I do these things. 
That was a pretty short conversation, wasn't it? Jesus said, you're not telling me, and I'm not telling you. Conversation over. Let's go to lunch. Done. So it's simple. If they would have recognized John's ministry from heaven, they would have recognized the Lord's ministry from heaven. Now look at verse 9. If you're looking at verse 9, say I'm looking at it. And then he began to tell this parable. A certain man planted a vineyard, leased it to the vine dressers, and went into a far country for a long time. Now at vintage time, he sent a servant to the vine dressers that they might give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the vine dressers beat him. And they sent him away empty-handed. And again, he sent another servant, and they beat him also, and treated him shamefully and sent him away empty-handed. And again, he sent a third, and they wounded him also and cast him out. And then the owner of the vine dresser said, what shall I do? In verse 13, are you looking at it? What shall I do? I will send my beloved son. Probably they will respect him when they see him. But when the vine dressers saw him, they reasoned among themselves, saying, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, that the inheritance might be ours. And so they cast him out of the vineyard, and they killed him. And therefore, what will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come, in verse 16, and destroy those vine dressers and give the vineyard to others. And when they heard it, they said, Certainly not. And then he looked at them and said, What then is this that is written? Can somebody read this with me? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And then verse 18, very important. Whoever falls on that stone will be what, saints? Broken. But on whomever it falls, it will do what? Grind him to powder. And the chief priests and the scribes that very hour sought to lay hands on him, but they feared the people, for they knew. He has spoken this parable against them. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. Jesus begins to tell them a parable of the owner of a vineyard who had leased it to the vine dressers and went into a far country. And sometime later, he sent the servant to get some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the vine dressers beat the servants and sent them away empty-handed. And he sent another servant, and they beat him. And then a third, and they wounded him. And then in verse 13, the owner said, what shall I do? I know I'll send my beloved son and they will probably respect him, but they killed him because of the inheritance. And the owner of the vineyard said, I will destroy those vine dressers and give the vineyard to others. Now listen to me close. The Jewish people, context, context, context. Listen, in the school in India, all for the last two weeks, I've been telling them, you must Keep things in context when you study the Bible. Are you listening? When you study the Bible, you must keep things in context. Don't ever, ever, ever let anybody read one verse to you and tell you what it means. If they take one verse, what you can do is you read five verses ahead and five verses after, and you get the context, 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 which will will drive your interpretation and your understanding. Okay, so in the context here, this is a Jewish audience, and they knew the scriptures, and they knew, write this down, this is your homework, you read it tonight, Isaiah chapter 5, verse 1 through 7. They knew Isaiah chapter 5, 1 through 7, which made it clear that the vineyard is a picture of Israel. 
The vine dressers represent the religious leaders or the Jewish people. So when Jesus speaks this parable, they knew exactly what he was speaking about. And they knew that Jesus was saying that God expected great things from his spiritual vineyard, Israel. And God wanted them to bear fruit and be a light to the Gentiles. So God sent them holy men and prophets, but they rejected them. Elijah was driven into the wilderness. Isaiah was cut in half. Zechariah was stoned in the temple of God. John was beheaded. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us that many were mocked and beaten with chains and imprisoned and stoned and killed by the sword. And then God sent his beloved son, Jesus, and they killed him. Now in verse 15, look at it. When they killed his son, he said, that's it. I will destroy them and give the vineyard to others. Now when God sent Jesus and they killed him, God gave the vineyard to the Gentiles. And now the Gentiles are sharing the good news of the Messiah and bringing forth fruit. You see, the problem is simply this. Jesus has taken away their authority and they're losing their control over the nation of Israel. So look at verse 17. Then he looked at them. Now, if you're reading the King Jimmy, in the King Jimmy, it says that he beheld them. In the Greek language, it means Jesus stared them down. What I wouldn't give to have been standing there to see this. Jesus stared them down. I wonder how long was that stare. And I would have liked to see that stare from the side and not from the front. Amen. And then Jesus looked at them and he said, it is written, the stone which the builders has rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Now, over and over in the Bible, if you're taking notes, over and over in the Bible, Jesus is referred to as the rock. He is the rock of provision that followed Israel in the desert, 1 Corinthians 10, 4. In 1 Peter 2, 8, he is the rock and a stone of stumbling. In Daniel chapter 2, Verse 45, he is the stone cut with hands that crushes the kingdoms of the world. Psalm 118.22, Isaiah 28.16, both refer to Jesus as a chief cornerstone. Now, it's interesting, listen, interesting story concerning this chief cornerstone. As Solomon was building his temple, The stones were prepared, listen, are you listening? The stones were prepared in a quarry uh, some ways away from the temple site. And the stones were, when they came to the temple site, they were able to fit perfectly together. Now, according to Jewish tradition, and we learn this from a Jewish historian who is not a Christian, and his name is Josephus, uh, uh, Flavius, Flavius Josephus. Flavius Josephus. And he is not a Christian. He is a historian, but very accurate. Most Bible teachers will use him as a reference. And according to Josephus, as the stones were being quarried a distance from the temple site, they marked each stone with a special mark so that each stone would be placed in the proper slot. When it reached the temple site, 
And when the foreman on the job would see the stone, he would direct it where it should go. Well, one day, a stone came up to the temple, and the foreman didn't know where it fit. And so he tossed it aside. Well, several years had passed, and they realized the stone was missing. The stone that had been tossed into the bushes had become overgrown by the weeds in the Kidron Valley. Now, when the temple was near completed, a message was sent to the quarry that they were ready to set the chief cornerstone, which they had already sent. They were ready to set the chief cornerstone of the building, and the quarry foreman checked his records, and he says, Oh, yeah, 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 I remember that stone. That's the one that was rejected and thrown away, which in fact, it was the chief cornerstone, the most important stone. The stone that was rejected by the builders were the chief cornerstone. And these guys, listen to me, here it is, the punchline. These guys knew when Jesus was speaking and they heard, they understood that Jesus was making reference to them, that they were the builders rejecting the stone. Can you imagine? They were incensed. No one spoke to them like that. No one would speak to a scribe, a Pharisee, a chief priest in the way that Jesus spoke to them. Why? Because he spoke in his own authority. He didn't speak in the authority of other men. He says, you are the builders that have rejected the stone. Look at verse 18. Heavy, heavy, heavy verse. Whoever falls on that stone will be broken, but on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. This word broken literally means to humble yourself. It means you realize you're a sinner in need of him. And you acknowledge him as Lord and Savior. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at one 800 293 That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a song.